أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد باب الصدقة عن الميت والدعاء والدعاء له قال الله تعالى والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان so chapter regarding giving sadaqah on behalf of the deceased and praying for them making dua for them supplicating to Allah Ta'ala uh, for in their favor uh, the reason these two uh, are mentioned explicitly is because by the ijma'an consensus of the ulama, like we had mentioned from before, sadaqah and making dua for the deceased benefits them. The ulama have some difference of opinion. Can you, you know, do other things like say prayer and then will the reward of that prayer to happen on behalf of that, of that, that deceased person or another person? Or can you recite Quran and will the reward for the recitation of the Qur'an for another person. There's some difference of opinion with regard to, with regards to those things. Again, the majority of the ulama, they say that that's also possible. But these two things, if you want to benefit someone who is deceased, these two things by, the consensus of the ulama, they, they benefit the deceased, which are what? Giving sadaqah on the behalf of the deceased and making dua for them. And uh, in fact, the better thing to do is to give sadaqah on the behalf of the deceased because... Monetary, uh, uh, monetary obligations can only be discharged through money. So if that person has zakat that's out, out, you know, that's outstanding, that's due, by giving money on their behalf, that liability decreases, whereas it wouldn't for uh, for a dua. Although the dua also benefits them, but the the monetary and the financial and physical. Uh, 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 Acts of worship that are done on behalf of the deceased benefit them more than than, than the ones that are non-tangible and Allah Ta'ala knows best. So as a first proof for the uh, the recommendation to give sadaqah and charity on behalf of the deceased and pray for them, uh, Nawawi Rahimullah Ta'ala brings the ayah of Surah Al-Hashr um, which comes on the heels of Allah Ta'ala describing the Beautiful characteristics of the Muhajirun and the Ansar, uh, 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 those who came after the two of them, they say, oh, our Lord, forgive us and forgive our brothers who came before us in faith. Meaning what? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing the believers that one of the signs of their piety is that they, uh, that they pray for those who have deceased and have departed from before them. Um, and this is also an important reminder for us because we live in an age where everybody... Just sit up and shall sit comfortably. We live in an age and we live in a time that, that, that people oftentimes, you know, look at the, the previous part of the ummah with uh, uh, an eye as if they're maybe at best scrutinizing sloppy, sloppy work or sloppy people and uh, at worst feeling some sort of air of superiority, like they have something to contribute to Islam that's going to make it better. Uh, you have a lot to contribute to computer programming and designing airplanes and other things that will make them better. But uh, when it comes to the deen and wahi, it's not something that 
uh, your, through your own research or your intelligence, you make better, rather. It's something that is literally revealed. It comes from a different realm. The best you can do is to preserve it uh, and to slow the, the rate at which its integrity will decay uh, amongst people. There's nothing you can improve on it with. So this, this idea that people have that somehow our forefathers or those who came before us in the deen are, uh, are you know, we're substandard type people. Uh, and this applies to not just uh, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and his companions, but to any of the people, any of the links in the chain that bring the deen to you. Because the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Uh, um, this idea that people have that they somehow distrust uh, uh, distrust those people and d- distrust those uh, 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 transmitters of the deen and distrust those generations that came before us. Maybe they're even embarrassed of them, the way that they used to speak, the way that they used to dress, the way they used to eat and drink, the culture that they used to carry. Uh, that's that's completely uh, a flawed and a improper uh, understanding. Uh, emotionally, I think it's really bogus. But at the same time, we have to like not be so quick to judge other people because they have the ideas that they have due to circumstances, oftentimes more than due to choice. If they had known what the flaw in their reasoning was or were introduced to uh, uh, the, the ways of our forefathers in a, in, a, in, a, in a decent manner, then maybe they wouldn't have been like that. وَعَنْ سَيْدَتِنَا عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهَا أَنَّ رَجُلًا قَالَ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِنَّ أُمِّي افتتلت نفسها وأراها ذو تكلمت تصدقت فهل لها من أجر تصدقت عنها قال نعم متفق عليه الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم سيدة عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها narrates that a man came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said, he used a, a metaphorical expression, which means that uh, her, her, soul is, her soul is left, her soul is gone. And uh, my opinion, uh, or the, 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 the opinion that seems, the idea that seems apparent to me, is that if she were still amongst the talking, meaning she's still amongst the living, she would have given, uh, she would have given sadaqah. So is it okay if... Uh, I give sadaqah on her behalf. Will she receive a reward for it? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said yes. And said, Sayyidina Abi Hurairata radiallahu ta'ala anhu, anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala, Iza matal insanun qata'a amaluhu illa min thalathin, sadaqatin, jariyatin, aw ilmin yuntafa'u bihi, aw waladun salihu yad'u lahu. Rawahu Muslim. Sayyidina Abu Huraira narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, when uh, a human dies, uh, his good deeds, they're all done, they're finished, except for three. A sadaqa jariya, meaning the charity that's continuous. So, for example, if a person uh, um, you know, had a well dug, that's something that people will continue to benefit after they, after they benefit from after they pass from this world, or if somebody had any any sort of charity that 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 keeps benefiting people, uh, is called what is called a sadaqa jariya, which literally means like a running charity, or a flowing charity. It's a metaphor for the fact that it's 
like a gift that keeps on giving, um, or knowledge that is uh, benefited from. So in that sense, people may have this idea that, that comes to them that, well, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, imagine, you know, they, what they did had a very limited time and scope. You know, maybe there are some people, Allahu alam, you know, they say that some of the later mashayikh, right, Khaja Mu'inuddin Chishti, they say something like hundreds of thousands of people accepted Islam at his hands. So someone might say, well, there's no Sahabi radiallahu anhu that that many people accepted Islam at their hands. Um, so why is it that the Sahaba radiallahu anhu should have a higher maqam? And uh, there's a number of explanations a person can give. But the most simple, you know, this is part of zaka. it's part of a person's intelligence that when you explain something or you argue something to someone, um, it's like a, a kind of a medium form of intelligence to be able to uh, uh, answer somebody and answer somebody's question or objection. Um, it's part of the excellence of a person's knowledge that they can see a number of different answers and also then amongst them evaluate which one is the most direct so that they can ar- end the argument quickly. Uh, uh, just like a fight, a good fighter is not the one who's going to like, you know, have like a street fighter, three rounds uh, match that lasts half an hour. No one has the stamina for any of those things. The, 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 good, the good fighter is the one who can just drop his opponent in one, one hit. My father, I remember, I used to like playing fancy trick shots in tennis. He said, you're horrible. He says, if you don't beat your opponent in the serve, you're just going to like run and tire yourself out and then you're going to get beaten later on. These trick shots are worthless. Obviously, I didn't like hearing that at the time because it was fun have, you know, hitting fancy uh, trick shots. But you know, later on, you realize that they have a point when they say stuff like that. You know, the old folks, they're not haters. They've been, through the, they've been around the block before, so they know, why they're, you know, they know how things roll. So the quick, quickest, which is ironic because I spend a long time explaining this, but the quickest way of... Uh, of negating this false uh, uh, false idea a person would have is that if in Islam we all accept that a person who leads another one to the to a good thing will receive the reward of the good thing that that person did, then the one who goes and gives dawah to like you know a hundred thousand people and they all accept Islam at their hands, um, even if that's the only person that 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 the person who from before gave Islam to. And that person has the reward of 100,000 and one conversions. So the maqam is necessarily higher. The maqam is necessarily higher. So the ilmun yuntafa'u bihi is, is, a, uh, is like a navir of, of sadaqa jariya. It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's in the same bracket, in the same category. It's almost the same thing. One is like a material and tangible uh, thing that's been given and that keeps on keeps on like propagating, and the other is something that I mean it resides as information in a person's head, but it's also an act of of piety. Now this is something that's very clear for whoever reads the the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the consensus of the aslaf. May Allah Taala be pleased with them that they consider knowledge to be superior superior than wealth, and they considered teaching knowledge to be superior to spending wealth, and the easiest way of understanding that is that Rasulullah himself was not a super wealthy man, but and, and on the flip side, his nubuwa was knowledge. The nubuwa wasn't piety, although his piety was more than that of other people, but his nubuwa, his prophethood, what made him the Prophet wasn't the fact that he prayed a lot. 
it was a special knowledge Allah gave him that he didn't give anyone else from the ummah. Uh, uh, and in his case, that nobody else from the creation was given. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So imagine, you know, people, uh, what is it? Like every, every Muslim kid, right? Like what do you want to be when you want to grow up, right? Nine times out of ten, what are you going to answer? You answer him, I want to be a doctor. Why do you want to be a doctor? Because I want to help people. We only the only way we can think of being you know helping people is what is through making money or some sort of material control that we can help people with, right? And then okay, forget about it. You say no. I'm at Ribat's Sunday Riyadh Salihin program. Why are you telling me for like the millionth time the virtues of ilm? If we didn't know the virtues of ilm, we wouldn't have, we would have been drinking a milkshake somewhere instead of being here on a Sunday night. So don't beat a dead horse. We're already beyond that point. Okay, class. Out of the out of the people who mashallah already value, they now they value ilm because they're so uh, uh, wonderful and 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 pious and sophisticated and nuanced in their understanding of deen, right? Who's the one who's gonna who's gonna receive more reward? The one who teaches uh, 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 the advanced students of knowledge, you know, the intricacies with regards to the superiority of the narrators of Sahih Bukhari, or the one who's gonna teach alif bata fa to the kids? It's the one who teaches Alif Ba'tath out of the kids. Why? Because one of those kids will also one day become the super fancy hotshot sheikh who teaches Bukhari. And that's, that's, that's just one of them. And the other kids, their reward will be on top of that as well. Because that hotshot kid who grows up to become the big sheikh of Islam, that kid couldn't have read Sahih Bukhari without knowing what Alif is and what Ba is. Uh, this is one of the teachings of the deen. And it's completely become jettisoned. People think that bid'ah is just like celebrating birthdays and Halloween or whatever. And, uh, you know, sure, you know, maybe, maybe you have a point. Maybe Halloween is haram and maybe you shouldn't celebrate your birthday or whatever or not. Or that's like part of that. You learn that with, from your fiqh teachers, right? But this is something it gets no press because it's a very subtle issue. Uh, imagine that. There are people who this week, this month, they took the shahada and they don't know how to read the fatiha. I met a brother, he's a really good brother, I don't want him to feel bad if I, I'm not taking his name or anything, but I don't want to feel bad if he happens to listen to this recording. I met a brother, he said, I took shahada three years ago, and he doesn't know how to read the Fatiha. But which one of you is like, you know, the Grand Mufti of the Islamic Republic that you're, you know, that, 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 that he needs to find you in order to read the Fatiha? Everyone can teach the Fatiha, you can teach someone the Fatiha, can't you? Right? You're like, the, you're literally, Ghali is the only one in the room smaller than you. And you, even you can teach the Fatiha to somebody. So imagine, right? You're like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a alim. I'm not this. I'm not that. Okay, great. Then don't get up and give fatwa and don't take like a whatever a, a khutbah workshop so that you can go and give khutbah. You shouldn't be giving khutbah. If you think you should be giving khutbah, you're a horrible person. You might turn around and say to me, you might turn around and say to me, well, you give khutbah all the time. You're the most horrible of us all. Even if you're right, that doesn't negate the point I'm making. <laughs> Which is what you don't, you know. That's something. That's something to covet. It is like a, a like a, a like a cancer uh, inside a person's inside of a person's like heart, inside of a person's spiritual heart. But things like this, like yeah, I'm gonna go teach some kid like Alif Batatha. I'm gonna teach some kid how to read. Someone just became Muslim. I'm gonna teach him the Fatiha. I'm gonna teach him Qul uh, Allahu Ahad. Uh, I mean, you know, imagine that you taught someone Qul Allahu Ahad. The Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that it, it indicates that, that, that reading the Surah Al-Ikhlas uh, once gives a person uh, as a bonus on top of its base reward 
gives a person a bonus reward as if they had read a third of the Qur'an. And that person will read Qul Allahu Ahad how many times in his life? If he's like people like me, then he'll read it a lot because when it's, you know, when it's, there's nobody looking and you're praying alone, you're praying so fast with the shortest surah, you know, it's like one of the shortest surahs a person knows. So you teach him Qul Allahu Ahad, you'll probably get like the, the sawab for like at least like half of the person's prayers, right? <laughs> You get the sawab for the fatiha rakahs too because you have to know qulhu allahu had for the first two to get to the three and four, right? You get a lot of reward. And what's even better than that is what? Is that it's completely immune, immune to riyah. It's immune to showing off. Because you're not, nobody's going to marry their daughter to you because you, you know, taught someone qulhu allahu had. No one's going to marry their daughter to you because you know how to teach Alif Batatha. No one's going to elect you Master's President. You're not going to get 100,000 Facebook followers for it. Even if you posted, Alhamdulillah, I had to someone today. People like, whatever. I, I could have done that, which is true. You could have, but you didn't. But, but you'll, you know, you'll get a like by Allah Ta'ala. Uh, and you'll get a like from, from, from Allah Ta'ala and from His uh, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Which are which are the only ones that really a person needs, and which you know, the real Muslims. If you know, congratulations if you ever get a chance to meet one of them. That's the only ones that they they worried about or cared about, and that's the ikhlas that Islam was built on top of. So that it doesn't mean that you have to become like a big big shot alim. If you do, good for you. Make du'a for me as well. But barakallahu uh, uh, um, Thank you so much. Here, Aisha, you drink because she's. Coughing. Yeah, I got tapping. Akramakullah, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, that's that's like something that 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 I don't want you to want it to pass by you, and that you don't <coughs> you don't uh, uh, you know you don't look at it and you don't think about it. You know, um, there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids who don't know how to read the Quran. By the way, I mean not just kids. There's adults as well. Uh, uh, in many ways, it's easier to teach adults because they're not like just they're not as wild. Uh, but the kids are the gifts that keeps on giving. If you can make sabr with their wildness, the uh, you know, a you'll make real change in that that that, that child's character, and b uh, um, you know, statistically, there's more likelihood that they'll live longer and you'll get more reward out of it. Out of it. But even adults, there's plenty of adults they don't know how to read the Quran, uh, they don't know short surahs, things like that. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, maybe some people think they have something better to do, but there are, are a lot of people who also, if you give them time, they'll take it from you and they'll, they'll appreciate it. Um, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, that's something, that's something to do. There is one of, uh, 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 one, of, one of the kind of unsung heroes of American Islam, because he never, as far as I can tell, ever spoke at a conference. In fact, he used to never give ban at all. Uh, uh, there was one, uh, uh, his name was Qari Makbul. He came to America in the 50s. Rahimahullah ta'ala. No relation. It's not, my father's name is Makbul, but, that's, but this is a different somebody else. So he was, uh, uh, he was a hafiz of Quran. 13 generations in his family of uh, Hufaz. His father, father before him. Thir- for 13 generations, they're Hufaz of the Quran. Uh, um, and so he came to America in the 50s. On uh, on uh, on Jamaat the tabli Jamaat tabli. Imagine that, right? But not every tabli is the same because from the story you can tell he's not like the same as you know, maybe the uncle you met at MSI or whatever, right? Uh, Allah Taala protect MSI and keep it protected. So the 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 he he came in the fifties, 
and then uh, 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 he he uh, in those days there's no masjid, there's no community, there's nothing. Like they would just walk around, and people would see them, and that's the fir- first thing they ever heard about Islam, or ever ever exposure they had to Islam. And I met a number of people. I mean, he passed away a while ago, but I met a number of old timers who actually took shahada at his hands. Uh, um, there's one. Uh, uh, have you been to Rafi? You never went to Farmerville in Louisiana and saw the Tahir chicken plant. No. So anyway, in 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 in, in uh, Monroeville, there is uh, uh, um, Shamsuddin. Yeah. I mean, these are guys who went to like the March on Washington and like you know like used to listen to like Malcolm X speeches and things like that. Uh, um, these are these are some old timers, mashallah. There are very few of them. There are very few of them left. So he he used to be one of like Ari Makbul's old associates, and he said that he would uh, he would basically just p- teach people how to read Quran. There's hundreds of people that learned how to read Quran from him, um, and this is from way back in the day. And he gave so many shahadas to people and whatever. And ostensibly, he's 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 like a, he's a hafiz of Quran. Uh, and he spent good, a good deal of time in the suhbah of the ulama as well, but uh, uh, not, not necessarily, an al- necessarily an alim. You understand what I'm saying? Not, not necessarily somebody who has you know, gone to like a, a big program or has big ijazat or big whatever. But the idea is that uh, you know, a person, um, if, they know, if they know and they're honest with themselves about what they have, even a little bit is a lot. The problem is people are not honest with themselves about what they have. So they have a little bit, but they get out of their place. And then they try uh, uh, flying clo- too close to the sun, and then they, the, the wings melt and they crash. And uh, even in that, there's a mercy. Because Allah Ta'ala sometimes destroys a person before they can... They destroy the person's dunya before they can harm themselves further in the akhirah. Uh, this is a rahmah of Allah Ta'ala. One of the ways that rahmah of Allah Ta'ala even manifests itself on the kuffar as well is that Allah Ta'ala will cause a person's destruction before they can plunge themselves deeper into the hellfire. But, uh, uh, but if you know what your limits are and you know what's up, then very small things, there are very simple things you can do that can literally like, you know, change a person's life. Uh, uh, but you've got to kind of stick to it and not let the, the nafs get the upper hand. Uh, and that's a struggle all of us go through, some of us more than others. وَلَدٌ صَالِحٌ يَدْعُ لَهُ And the third, the third thing that keeps going is a person's uh, righteous children that pray for them, that make du'a for them, which is, uh, uh, and it's a hadith of Muslim, which is amazing in the sense that it's something that everybody, I mean, everybody has kids, but having a kid can be like one of the most revolutionary things ever. And it doesn't require, it doesn't require a whole lot of, it doesn't require a whole lot of like, you know, being special. It's, in fact, all the things that make a person a normal human being is what will make you successful as a parent and uh, uh, what will make that person is like, essentially like a, like a thawab slave for you. <laughs> that, that, that the shackle of, 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 of your uh, having raised that child will remain in that child's neck for the whole rest of their life to the point where, uh, again, everything you do is essentially one of that person's good deeds. So even if that person has very little that they did on their own other than what their children did, uh, the children, mathematically, there's no way they can ever surpass or get ahead of their parents as long as their parents had the niyyah of good uh, when raising their children. Uh, and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, the logic of kufr is that, like, having kids is bogus. That's why, you know, China propelled itself ahead economically 
and uh with the and like financially or whatever economically stabilized and like demographically stabilized with the one child policy and now they're about to implode their population is about to implode and so they're like okay you guys can have two children and people don't even want to have one anymore now why because they want to enjoy and live life and uh eat and drink and not be burdened with responsibility and uh uh which is the logic of kufr from the logic of kufr it makes a lot of sense um, it makes a lot of sense, but uh, from the from the logic of iman, a person is you know thinking that subhanallah, if I don't have any kids, then when I die, uh, there's no one to make dua for me. There's nobody. Even even nowadays, you know, and that's one of the really sad things that there are people in their graves and their children don't make dua for them. But it's kind of their fault also because they could have like <laughs> they could have like you know done things to like make their mind more oriented toward that. But even then. Uh, imagine Yom Qiyamah is going to be a day. It's a dis- day that's described that people just like uh, a person is like thirsty or hungry or desperate. You know, like a drug addict who's desperate will do anything. They'll like punch their own mother and like rob her in order to get high again. The people will be desperate in 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 a, in a desperation like that. Uh, and Allah Taala describes it that you'll see the people roving around as if they're drunk, but they're not drunk. It's just that they're scared of the the the, the pain of, of of Allah Taala's punishment. That they'll be roving around like that to the point where a mother will ignore her children, looking for what? Looking for just one good deed. That can I have one La ilaha illallah? Can I have one Subhanallah? Can I have one Allahu Akbar? Not the like, <laughs> you know, like whatever uh, driving a truck on the people, Astaghfirullah, Allahu Akbar, but the actual Allahu Akbar that a person should feel inside their heart the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. They'll be looking for one Subhanallah, they'll be looking for one. La ilaha illallah. That's all, that's all like that will be the most important thing to them in the world. Forget about becoming a hafiz and forget about building a masjid and forget about, uh, you know, all these other things. That's what they'll be looking for on that day. Uh, so, you know, a person might think, yeah, like, you know, I know some kids that are pretty bogus, but like, at least you'll get a couple of Allah out of them. You know what I mean? It's not a lot. It may not seem like a lot right now. At that time, it's going to be a really big deal. Uh, 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 so it's a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam تَزَوَّجُوا بِالْوَلُودِ الْوَدُودِ وَكَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّامِ فَإِنِّي مُكَاثِرٌ بِكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That marry, marry a woman who is الْوَدُودِ الْوَلُودِ The one who is beloved to you and that will bear you many children because I will be, uh, it will be a matter of pride for me to see your numbers on the Day of Judgment. Uh, um, and Allah Ta'ala give tawfiq to everybody for that. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but, you know, that's, that's the logic of Iman. It's a different logic. It makes sense from, uh, you know, it makes sense in the same way that, like, uh, you know, uh, an iPhone app works on an iPhone, but it doesn't work on the Android. And the Android app doesn't work on the iPhone, but it works on the Android that this is the logic of iman for a person who has iman this logic works for a person who's a kafir it doesn't make any sense to them and allah ta'ala knows best but uh but this is also back to the 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 bab the chapter is regarding the recommendation to give sadaqa uh, and uh, 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 and to make dua on behalf of the deceased so the sadaqa jariya is the first thing that's mentioned in the the du'a for the deceased is the second thing that's mentioned. And the ulama, they mentioned that this is not the only, uh, um, these are not the only three things that benefit a person after they're dead. Rather, uh, these are three major things. Uh, and so it's important not to read, read the text like hyper-literalistically. Uh, 
um, because a person might say, well, the, all the other deeds other than these three are, are cut off. These are three like major groups of deeds. And the proof for that is the, the narration of Abu Hurairah in, in, in the Sunan of uh, Ibn Majah, in which he says, Inna mimma so he mentions that Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that indeed from the 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 uh, um, reward that a believer will that, that will catch up with the believer after he's died. After he's died. Uh, 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 is what? Uh, beneficial knowledge that, that he spread. And a, 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 a righteous child that he left behind. Uh, or a, a, a copy of the Qur'an. Right? The Qur'an, there's not, there's not like, there's not like, go, go hand me that stack of Qur'ans. There's only one Qur'an, which is an internal and uncreated attribute of, 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 of the Lord. It's His divine speech. Um, but the, the, the paper copy is called the Mus'haf, properly referred to as the Mus'haf. Uh, so a mushaf that a person, uh, a person left behind in 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 uh, mirath in, in in their inheritance, and uh, it's I think it's it's kind of sad people don't write the mushaf out anymore. Uh, this is one of the things Chicago is like Hafiz city. Uh, every every you know like you know every like uh, every other person is a Hafiz. Sometimes I'll sit in in uh, in a majlis and I'll be the only one who hasn't made a hifthul of Quran in that majlis. But at the same time, I think that the standard of the hifz has declined. The Quran has a rasam, has an ortho- orthography. The way it's written, it's not. I mean, it has to be learned. There, this, you'll see that. For example, the word kitab is not written with an alif, oftentimes or always, and uh, um, you know uh, things like ya ayyuhalladina amanun. Things like ya ayyuh is written differently than you would have written it nowadays. Like ar rahman is not written with an alif. It's written with the alif khanjari, the dagger alif, what they call the 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 uh, the dagger alif in Arabic, um, or for our Indian subcontinent friends, the karazabar, the standing fatha. Mashallah. it's really weird. It's, that's really weird. The fatha dhamma and kasra. We like, use the Persian words for it. I don't really understand why, but <laughs> you know, I guess if it works, it works. Uh, um, but the the uh, the mushaf used to be written, and my, my uh, uh, I, I saw that in, in Mauritania, that when you do hifs, um, they make you do hifs of the entire qira'ah, so you learn one riwayah, and then you learn the rasam, you learn how to write the Qur'an, and there's tests like that for that, they'll say write from here to there, or you know, uh, uh, how many different ways is this word spelled, and how is it spelled in one place, how is it spelled in the other place, you have to give, you have to write tests for it, and then you, then you have to memorize the other riwayah, then you receive the, the sanad of being a, a hafiz. As far as this standard of hifz is concerned, the classical standard, I don't know, I don't know if there are hafaz in, 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 in Chicago. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we may have some people who can read the qira'at. I haven't met somebody who, who has like ijazah in the rasam in the, in the way that the Qur'an is written. Uh, although I'm not saying categorically that I know that there is none. There may be, because it's something also, it's a, it's a knowledge that I'm not... I know it exists, and that's basically the limit of it. I'm not an expert in it by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, if there is one, I'm unaware. I'm, I'm unaware of it, and none of the hip schools that are around here teach it. That, to, to my knowledge, uh, as a as a uh, institutionalized course. So, uh, but it's something that's that that it, that 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 it was considered an act of piety 
what's the point of the printer or the printing press printing the masahif when the reward for that should go to the to the people who preserve that knowledge and if nobody writes the mushaf anymore then how is that knowledge going to be preserved and this is actually you know we were talking about before that this is a sickness that a, that people have that they somehow think that that our forefathers were backwards people and that we're somehow smart uh, um, uh, one of the interesting things is that when the Germans brought the printing press to the Ottoman Empire, uh, because the uh, Muslims were so much more literate at that time than Europeans were, uh, and they were known for their love of books, um, and they were known to spend a lot of money on books, and uh, 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 keeping big libraries and having oqaf, uh, having endowments just for, for dedicated for the copying and, and, and uh, uh, proliferation of, of books. They thought that this is going to be an easy sale. And so what happened was they showed the sultan that uh, they, they made the, the, the proof and they showed how, how the, the plates they slam against with the, with the ink on them, they slam against the paper in order to, to print the pages. And the sultan said, you guys are out of your mind. Because the, 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 the printing press was made to print the Bible in Europe, Right. And it was something that coincided with the Protestant Revolution because before the Protestant Revolution, um, the Catholic Church didn't want people reading the Bible for good reason. They didn't want the lay people, they, 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 they forbade them from reading the Bible. In fact, you know, we talk about Sharia, the Catholic Church also has like a, a what they call canon law. It's published in like volumes, right? Dozens of volumes. Canon law to this day, the lay people are not allowed to see it. Um, I know some Muslims who have seen it because the Catholic Church will hire Muslim lawyers to re represent them in court. They'll just hire whichever lawyer works, not really necessarily because they're Muslims, but if they're Muslims, no big deal. Uh, if they're good lawyers, they'll hire them. So those lawyers can see the canon law, but the lay Catholics can't see what it is. Um, the Mulvis are the only ones that are telling you, for God's sake, learn something and read it. <laughs> <laughs> there's no point in, in, in the history of Islam where they were saying anything except for, you know, learn Nahu, learn Sarf, learn how to read and write, read the Quran, memorize the Quran, read the books of Tafsir, Fiqh, Hadith, all of these things. This is something otherwise every other, every other religion, they restricted access to their sacred texts. Uh, and for good reason. Why? Because ever since Christians have been reading the Bible, Jews have been reading the Bible, there's been a lot of people who don't really believe in Christianity and Judaism anymore. Whereas with Muslims, if anything, the, the level of, of apostasy, which is much lower, uh, but will probably catch up one day, um, the level of apostasy with our people is the opposite. It's for those who don't read anything, uh, and they just become ignorant of the tradition. Uh, and so, uh, uh, so, they, they showed, so they thought, okay, if we're printing the Bible, these people, these Muslims are pretty fanatical about their religion as well, so they're going to want to print copies of the Qur'an. And so the Sultan saw the, the, the plates slamming against the, the paper, and he says, you guys are out of your mind. This is like the most disrespectful way of, of, of like, you know, writing the Qur'an. Imagine, like, you know, like, you, you, it just slams one, uh, one page after the other. And so he, they were horrified. They're like, we don't want your thing. He said that, that we don't want your invention. And uh, um, anyway, the, the scribes that write, that copy, that write out the copies of the Qur'an, and that write out the copies of the books, books of Ilm and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, those scribes are also students of knowledge, and uh, those scribes are also people of Ilm, and this is a way to keep them employed as well so that they can have time free to read and study. 
which is another reason why it's completely bogus that like imams have to do whatever 60 hour uh, uh, hour a week jobs because how are you going to study or read anything research anything uh, even myself if you think I, I just open the crack open the book and like teach the dars I have to come before class and like read and then look up the words that I don't know etc etc uh, otherwise uh, 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 you know I, I myself learned the dars before, before the dars starts maybe if I taught this book like 10 times then I could crack it open without, without having to do the review but uh, because, because people don't write the masahif anymore uh, um, that the knowledge is gone and we don't have people who have that, and the knowledge of the, the, the khat and the calligraphy is also uh, uh, much less than it used to be. And there's barakah in it, because the, 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 the printing presses, that mushaf that they write, it's not going to, I mean, the printing press, what, what is it going to do with the fact that someone made a khatam with, with that mushaf a thousand times? Although nowadays we just print masahif and just throw them away after a couple of years, but uh, 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 or bury them if we're if we're uh, that piously inclined. But but even if it were to be read, the printing press is going to receive the salab for it. The printing press is an inanimate thing that has no that has it's not mukallaf, it's not you know liable for salab or iqab for for reward or for punishment. Um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of useless, it's kind of bogus, whereas if someone wrote the mushaf by hand, then that person would have received the reward for it. And they say that Mullah Ali Al-Qari, he is a great Hanafi muhaddith uh, uh, um, from Herat in Afghanistan, when Herat was overran by the, the, the Safawid, like fanatical uh, uh, Shiite Safawid state that uh, massacred a great number of the ulama and the mashaykh of the tariqah, he uh, uh, took refuge in Makkah Mukarramah and um, he was a master alim and he never used to take money for teaching. What he would do is every year he would write out a, a very fancy mushaf and in the margins of it he would write tafsir and it was known that it was something that was a unique piece. So uh, 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 you know, people would bid with one another and pay huge amounts of money for it. And that money he would get, that's what he would survive off of for the year. Uh, and in fact, that's the same thing that uh, 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 the Sultan Alamgir, uh, 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 the Mughal Emperor Aurangzeb, who was a Hafiz of Qur'an as well, and he did his of Qur'an in his adulthood, uh, not as a kid. Uh, and uh, our, you know, now uh, you know, you'll, write, you'll read in like BJP, right-wing Hindu websites that he massacred 90 million people or something ridiculous that's like not even mathematically possible type of nonsense. But uh, he was actually a just king, uh, and there, there probably had more Hindus in his army than he had Muslims, to be honest with you. Um, and this kind of weird uh, narrative about uh, him being some sort of fanatical uh, murderer that killed uh, you know, Hindus and destroyed their temples, um, this is something that the British started uh, in Divide and Conquer, and that we have, mashallah, uneducated people who are uh, very gullible that, that they propagate it uh, uh, nowadays. But uh, he used to do that as well. He never took a, uh, a salary from the state. Rather, he would, he would uh, write out a, a, a copy of the a mushaf and then it would be sold. And uh, he would live off of the, the earnings of that. And that's one of the, the, the best things a person can do. Because every time uh, uh, that mushaf, the one who purchases it, purchases it will receive the thawab, the one who writes it will receive the thawab. Uh, every time somebody reads it and learns from it. And when they're written by hand, people respect them. 
uh, respect them more than what they do now, like how we hand them out, like people hand out Bibles for free and things like that. The concept with the Mus'haf is a sacred object. That's why it's haram to touch it without wudu. Uh, and there's some exceptions to that rule, but the rule is it's haram to touch it without wudu. It was an object of veneration. Malik rahimullah ta'ala, actually his fatwa was that it's haram to carry the Mus'haf into the Darul Kufr. Why? Because he was afraid that a kafir would, would uh, desecrate it. Um, which, that's fine. As a fiqh issue, you know, one might say there's different opinions about it and things like that. But the idea was that it shows that it was an object of veneration. It wasn't something that people, like today, they just kind of like, there's like a stack of, stack of masahif in the corner and they're, you know, they just don't really think about it. banahu, <laughs> or, or a masjid that a person built. And, uh, um, you know, building a masjid is more than just the donations. There's a whole, whole bunch of things a person can do, for, you know, with a masjid. Um, you can work on it. You can, a lot of the construction, that's one of the interesting things, for example. The best, the nicest masjids in America, in my experience, most of them are built by Bosnians and Albanians. And why is that? Because... They see people are all doctors and engineers and they couldn't lay a brick on top of a brick if their life depended on it. It's not like that back home, but the ones that are here are, are basically, they're like that. So the, the Bosnians and Albanians, they actually know how to work with their hands. And so they'll build a super nice masjid for far cheaper oftentimes also than, than, than the wealthy people will do it. You say, okay, well, I don't have any money and I don't know any trades either. There's other simple things that a person can do to help with the masjid. I mean, just a simple, uh, you know, simple things like using your trigonometry that you learned in 10th grade or 11th grade in order to uh, orient the Qibla properly in a, in a, in a building. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's probably more math than a lot of people care to remember, but it's not something that's that, that really, it's not that complicated, you know. You'll probably forget the fact that the calculator on your phone is like set to radians and not degrees, but... You know, it's if you sit through it, you can do. There's so many things like that that a person can can do. Um, you know, donating some something or another that's used in the masjid or whatever. And even if you know, even if it's just a matter of like, well, look, I'm broke and I don't even know what a radian is. Uh, uh, so you know, you give a small amount of money for the masjid. That's your portion in the masjid as well. And uh, uh, you know, you can do you can do stuff like that. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. And, you know, people are, well, we don't need any more masjids. You know, we need this and we need that. I agree, we need other stuff. Some, a lot of communities, like for example, okay, we're right here in this Khalil Center. The Khalil Center is like this, it's the only Khalil Center we have in Chicago. So maybe in some ways there's more of a dire need to support this place than there is for the like literally 10 masajid that are within 10 minutes driving distance of here. <clears throat> that being said, uh, um, there's, a, there's an understanding in the deen, la tahqdiranna min al-ma'rufi shay'an. Don't ever, don't ever hold as despicable or detestable any good deed. Uh, uh, so, fine. Maybe there's other priorities. And so some people are building a masjid and it's out of priority. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do. It just means that doing something else will garner you more reward. But if they're building the masjid, let them build it. There should be a masjid across the street from every masjid. Because the people on one side of the street inevitably will be too lazy to walk across to go and pray Asr. So they'll pray on their own side. Nobody dies from that. 
You know, there are certain things like everyone shouldn't be holding Jumu'ah and Eid and things like that. But like when it comes to when it comes to the Salat al-Maghrib, if the brothers from Gambia and the brothers from Senegal don't get along, which they probably do because they're very nice people and they get along with everyone. But I'm just saying as a mithal, right? You're like, oh, what is this? How come they have sin? Let them pray separately if they don't get along. What's the big deal? Let them pray. Their, one person prays their Jamaat, the other person prays their Jamaat. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, is there probably a better way of using your funds? Yeah. But uh, it's not like someone's robbing a liquor store that you got to uh, be upset about it. Because it's not, it's not like that. It's something good that's happening. Uh, so Rasulullah says, sabili bannahu, Or a guest house. Uh, uh, literally he says a house for the stranded, the people who have no place to live. Um, the Muslims, they, 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 they basically ran hotels, but not as businesses as Oqaf. So, many of the larger masajid in the Muslim world, it wasn't just a masjid, it was an entire complex. Nowadays, what do we build? We build a gym and then pray Jummah there, right? In the old days, they used to build the masjid, and with the masjid, there's inevitably a madrasa, uh, a place that people can learn not just how to be a hafiz of Quran, but everything. And then there used to be a hospital with it, there used to be a langar, there used to be a, 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 a community kitchen that people would bring food to and anyone could eat from it. And uh, that's something actually literally wholesale the Sikh religion took from, from the Muslims and they replicated it. Uh, that, 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 that the Sikh, Sikh religion to this day, the Gurdwaras, theoretically at least if the Gurdwara is running properly, anyone, whether they're Sikh or not, anyone should be able to walk off the street and be fed a meal anytime, day or night. And that's, where did they, what, how did they f- do that? Was that an original idea? Of course it wasn't an original idea. The Masajid used to have it. To this day, if you go to Lahore, you go to Data Darbar, you can go and, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, eat a biryani for free, uh, um, you know. So it's like, imagine Gharib Nawaz, except for they have Hafsa cer- certification and they, they, instead of having to pay like $3 for a biryani, it's free. Or someone else paid the $3 actually more accurately. Um, this is this is part of our this is part of our part of our tradition, and it's something that that should be done. At any rate, so one of the things that was in that that that, that, that was in the jiwar of the masjid that, that was a considered to be like part of the masjid ecosystem was a guest house. So somebody who's from, there from out of town, um, uh, uh, somebody who is uh, you know needs a place to stay, etc. There is a place there for them uh, uh, to stay. And now we would say, well, we don't need to build a guest house at the masjid. We have hotels now. Well, if there's a ban or some ulama come from out of town, what are you going to p- go put them in the double tree so they walk by the bar uh, or the you know on the way home? And God knows, like somebody's committing zina in the uh, the uh, uh, room next door or in the same room 24 hours ago. And trust me, people are like, oh, that's you're just crazy fahish Hamza thing to say, which may be true. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I've been in the room next door and whatever, people must have calls you for a program and then you're trying to sleep and God knows what the, what the heck is happening uh, uh, next door. Man, it's not just about having a place to sleep. There's a difference, you know, it's just like there's a difference, uh, you know, on the surface, a wife and a girlfriend may be very similar, but there's some very important salient differences between the two of them. Uh, um, and it's the same thing that like, you know, if you build these, these, these places, they may be very similar to some other institution that already uh, seems to exist. But there's a couple of real basic things that are different that make it that, that make like a really w- a world of difference. 
Uh, and so Rasulullah Sallallahu he mentioned this as an institution and I don't know if anyone has built anything like that. Um, maybe we have some like, like sh- shelters for batter- battered women and things like that, which it's good. We should build stuff like that. That's, those things should be supported. وَنَهْرًا uh, أَجْرَاهُ or a, 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 a canal that a person built to bring fresh water uh, from one place to the other, that everyone who drinks from it, that person will benefit from it. وَصَدَقَةً أَخْرَجَهَا مِن مَالِهِ فِي صِحَّتِهِ وَحَيَاتِهِ تَلْحَقُهُ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهِ Or uh, 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 some other sadaqah that a person set aside while they were still alive and they were healthy, not on their deathbed. Uh, as a fiqhi ruling, if a person takes out uh, sadaqah on their deathbed, it's consider it comes out of his thuluth. It's hukman. The legal ruling is that they gave it after their death. Like if you're dying, and you're like, "Oh, give all this to sadaqah," uh, it can the maximum you can give is a third of your uh, of your wealth, and it's legally considered that you gave it after your death. It's not it's not something that gave you gave during your lifetime. Uh, so don't wait till you're you know until you're on the operating table or whatever. Give it right now. You'll receive a lot more reward for it right now than you will. There's a lot more reward. Even if a person were to say, I could give a third of my wealth to whatever uh, charitable cause, uh, uh, you know, Rabat, Rabat, uh, Rabat Institute or whatever, right? Um, there's way more reward in giving it during your lifetime. There's more reward in giving $1 during your lifetime than there is giving 100 in your death. Um, so you can give both, of course, but... But, but, you know, as an amana, we disclose that fact, that, that there's more reward while, while you're alive. Babu thana' al-nasi al-mayyiti. This is a chapter with regards to how the people, what the people say about the, the, the deceased. Now, the word thana' in the Arabic language generally means uh, uh, saying something good about somebody. Thana' is praise. But uh, here, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means that that uh, if uh, he means thana in the sense of both praise and in in in, in the sense of censure or blame, uh, and so he uses an expression thana al khair and thana thana su or shar that they they praised a person well or that they didn't praise them well, that they said something negative about somebody. On Anasin radiyallahu taala anhu qala maru bi janazatin fa athno alayha khairan fa qala nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam wajabat. ثُمَّ مَرُّوا بِأُخْرَى فَأَثْنَوْا عَلَيْهَا شَرًّا فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَجَبَتْ فَقَالَ عُمَرَ بْنُ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَى عَنْهُ مَا وَجَبَتْ فَقَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ هَذَا أَثْنَيْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ خَيْرًا فَوَجَبَتْ لَهُ الْجَنَّةُ وَهَذَا أَثْنَيْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ شَرًّا فَوَجَبَتْ لَهُ النَّارُ أَنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءُ اللَّهِ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ سيدنا أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه narrates that um, the, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and those with him, they passed by a janazah and they, they praised uh, uh, the, 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 the deceased with words of goodness. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, wajabat, he says it become obligatory. And then they passed by another janazah and the people said that, said that, that the deceased was, they, they spoke evil about the deceased, meaning they said that the deceased wasn't a good person. And so he said, wajabat. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab from the, the retinue of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, uh, um, uh, said, what does this wajabat mean? What, what do you mean when you say it's obligatory? He said, this one you spoke good of that person. Uh, and so it's, it's now obligatory that that person will go to Jannah. And he said, this one 
uh, you spoke ill of them and it's become obligatory for that person to go to the fire. And then Rasulullah he commented that you are the witnesses of Allah Ta'ala on the earth. And it's a hadith both of Bukhari and Muslim. So, you know, before a person goes too far with this, he's talking to who? He's talking to his companion, sallallahu alayhi wa the pious amongst his companions. Um, and uh, obviously a person who dies on iman, even if they go to the fire, they go for a limited time, they don't go forever. They're, the barakah of a person's iman will take them from the fire and will uh, intercede for them with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and take them into Jannah at some point. Um, but the idea is that in general, the pious and the righteous of this ummah are the shuhada of Allah ta'ala. They are the... The, the witnesses of Allah Ta'ala on the earth. Everyone who says La ilaha illallah, you should be concerned somewhat about their opinion. Don't annoy them, don't anger them. Uh, 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 you know, be, why? Because communally, maybe as individuals we get into, uh, uh, you know, we don't get along with each other, uh, individual to individual. But in general, communally, the, the people who say La ilaha illallah, there's some, some khair inside of their hearts that a person should pay attention to what they're opinion is about a person and the more pious and righteous a person is uh, you know so it doesn't mean that like you know when you're in a a, a gathering of people who are not super uh, uh, you know into deen you know that what they're talking about is necessarily a gauge of what's right and wrong but it is a sign and the degree to which people are in tune with the, the deen their being shaheed is 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 increased this is why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book said that that, that the ummah is a shuhada against, uh, over the people and the Prophet ﷺ is a shaheed over the, this ummah. They bear witness against the people and the Prophet ﷺ bears witness against them. Uh, and, uh, you know, lest a person, you know, their democratic instincts uh, uh, take hold of them and they say, well, majority of Americans, you know, Muslims in America say that, you know, this should be this way or that should be the other way. Remember, a majority of the Muslims are not in America Majority of the Muslims are very pious and righteous people. Many of them are farmers. They live outside of cities. They're extremely humble and simple people. They're the type of people that, uh, uh, you know, maybe if some of us saw them in public, we'd be embarrassed to be associated with them in front of our uh, sophisticated Kafir friends and, and neighbors. But those are, those are the ones, if you want to really, really look at it, even, even literalistically, you want to look at the Hadith literalistically, those are those people. Their sensibilities are very different than ours are. And we should also pay heed to the fact that, that, that uh, their sensibilities also, if you want to read the hadith really literally, that their sensibilities are the ones that, that are indicated by this, um, by this uh, hadith. They're not the ones that are going to say, well, you know, I'm not really in favor of like, you know, gay marriage, but uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't have any right to stop them. They're, they're the ones who are going to be like, oh, that's haram, that's bad. <coughs> right? Uh, so uh, uh, that's if you really want to be literal in your reading of uh, of the hadith, there's there's uh, uh, you know there's something that a person should think about. So the second hadith in the in the chapter um, is kind of like a part two of this this same story because who is the one who asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi What does wajibat mean? Huh? Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu anhu. So on Abi Abil Aswad daily daily afwan. قال قدمت المدينة فجلست إلى عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه فمرت بهم جنازة فأثنى على صاحبها خيرا فقال عمر وجبت ثم مر بأخرى فأثنى على صاحبها خيرا فقال عمر وجبت ثم مر بالثالثة فأثنى 
Afwan, let me just read this again because I've been making a mistake. Abil Aswad al Dili, Kala, Kadim to Medina, Fajalasto, Ila Omar ibn Khattabi, Radiallahu Anhu, Fumarat Bihim Janazatun, Fausni Ali, Ala Sahibiha, Khairan, Fakala Omaru, Wajabat, Thumma Murra, Bi Ukhra. فأثني على صاحبها خيرا فقال عمر وجبت ثم مر بثالثة فأثني على صاحبها شرا فقال عمر وجبت قال أبو الأسود فقلت وما وجبت يا أمير المؤمنين قال قلت كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أيما مسلم شهد له أربعة بخير أدخله الله الجنة فقلنا وثلاثة قال وثلاثة فقلنا واثنان قال وثناني ثم لم نسأله عن الواحد رواه البخاري. so this is this is a, a, a um, this is another hadith in which later on in life Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu anhu then transmits the same concept that he heard directly from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. so the 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 tabi'i uh, Abu al-Aswad al-Dili uh, rahimahullahu tabarak wa ta'ala uh, um, he uh, uh, um, he narrates that I arrived in Medina and I sat with Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu and uh, uh, a janaza passed by, uh, passed by that, that majlis um, and the people mentioned good about the, 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 the deceased and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu said wajabat and then another passed by uh, and the people said good uh, about the deceased and so Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu again said wajabat and uh, a third janaza passed by and the the people said uh, that that they said that, that that person was an evil person and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu said wajabat Abu Aswad said I said uh, what does this wajabat mean oh Amir al-Mu'minin uh, and he said uh, I, 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 I spoke as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam spoke Meaning what? Meaning that this is also what he used to do, that when people would say good about a person or bad about a person when their janazah was passing, he said that, that that now becomes an obligation on the person. So, you know, also note to selves, don't be a jerk when someone dies, especially if there's no need to or no benefit, nothing's going to become better by saying bad about them, you can just stay quiet, you know. Uh, if someone passed by, uh, uh, their janazah passed by and the guy claimed he was a nabi you can say this guy's a horrible guy he's a liar and this and that right but like if it was something else like you know the guy used to smoke weed when no one else was around or with just like you know one or two of his friends but nobody really knew about it and he didn't really harm anyone or whatever it doesn't mean that it's okay but you don't have to bring it up you can say good about that person and you're like well what's in it for me right what's in it for me what's in it for me uh, why should I care about whether that guy goes to jahannam he's a pothead why should I care? Why? Because whatever benefit you bring to that person, you're also going to receive the reward for it. So if you don't do it out of altruism, do it out of self-interest. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to say anything. Again, if it's something crazy, like the guy was really like just a horrible person, then you're, you're uh, more than welcome to warn people about their horribleness so that they don't fall victim to it. But otherwise, you know, it, it just... Remember that maybe you're saying something might actually harm a person in a way if you found out how you harmed them uh, it, You wouldn't be happy about it And uh, even if that harm doesn't come back to you uh, If you stop the harm it definitely will, will benefit you 
and, and so he said that I, I said how the Prophet said or spoke at such an occasion. And he said, وسلم, any Muslim that four people will uh, bear witness to that person's goodness, Allah Ta'ala will, will enter that person into Jannah. And then we said, how about three people? He says, yes, three people as well. And then uh, Abu Aswad said, how about two people? He said, yeah, even if a person dies and two people bear witness that this was a good person, that's enough to take, take that person to Jannah. Um, and then he said that, that we, were, we, we, like, we didn't have the guts to ask about one. Uh, uh, Bukhari. It's a hadith of Bukhari. But the, the, uh, I guess the insinuation being that it's possible even if just one person. So this is, uh, it's important to uh, uh, remember that do good by other people. Don't be that jerk that's like, mashallah, negative to everyone all the time because you're the only one who knows what's right and nobody else knows what's wrong and nobody else is worth like, you know, helping or whatever because of how horrible and detestable they are. Some people are like that. Don't be that person. Why? Because if you didn't do good by anyone at all whatsoever, um, uh, then you're, uh, you know, you're, you're cheating yourself out of uh, what is a legitimate way of, uh, uh, of, of being entered into, uh, into Jannah and into Allah Ta'ala's mercy. Uh, so make sure there's at least some people, like, you know, so to go home and like when nobody else is there, think like, is there like, if I died, is there like any four people who could honestly say that my being here makes their life better? Um, and if there isn't, then you might want to like, I don't know, start being a nicer person. Don't be the, don't be the person who is like, yeah, I'm the only one who understood the deen and all the ulama are idiots and all the Muslims are ignorant and backwards and whatever. And I have my own unique insights because of my special snowflakey like nature. And, uh, 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 you know, and like everyone else is like a, a moron and those type of people, they're obviously not going to. They're not gonna. They're not gonna uh, benefit from this at all. Woman shadda shudda finnar. The person who's different and unique has to be different all the time. They'll be different in the sense that the whole ummah will be in jannah and they'll be alone in the fire. Allahu billahi Allah ta'ala be our protection. Sallallahu taala alaihi wasallam. He said, "The Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in."